Fuck what they talk about. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah. Getting it every day, I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah. I'm getting it every day, these niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. Bitch, I'm not new. What's up, guys? This is Jake Carlisle, and welcome to the Capital Gains Podcast, where we share our experiences on how to flip and invest in real estate, the stock market, and all things fitness. Join us as we dive deep into the world of self-development and get ready to make some capital gains. Hi, guys. I've got a good one for you today. Um, I'm with Chad, Zach, and then our special guest, uh, Sam Lawhon. What's up, boys? going on guys what's the word so we've got a good one today i think we're going to end up interviewing sam a little bit just to seeing what his background is what he does now and what he's wanting to do and then um, we'll go ahead and talk about current market events and uh, stuff like that so without further ado um let me introduce to you sam lawhun um i'll let him kind of start out with what he wants but uh this guy is awesome he he um knows a bunch of stuff about the market and he's we we've had him on here once and i know you learned from him and uh so looking forward to learning from him again today iron man sam <laughs> yeah so uh i guess i'll i'll give a little bit of background um a little bit of my story so uh growing up business always was super interesting to me how businesses functioned um how they ran different types of businesses so i started a little barbecue uh catering business when i was 13 started a landscaping company when i was 15 um and then learned a lot through those experiences both positive and negative um you know when you're basically a kid managing a lot of employees um there, there's a lot of stress that comes with that um you know i didn't know anything about cash flow or project management it was really a, a fake it till you make it kind of thing and uh so you learn a lot of lessons through that <laughs> right both bad and good but uh, after that i moved into uh, landscape construction on a bit larger scale so working with state and local governments um and I did that for a while, but uh, realized that's not where I wanted to be in the long term. It was fine and, you know, paid the bills, but um, it wasn't something that I really saw myself growing in or saw a lot of opportunity in. So I uh, met what's now my uh, current CEO and started doing some consulting for him on the mergers and acquisition side. I work for a financial advisory practice. And uh, then from there, started working for him. Uh, essentially, he said, look, uh, you don't know anything about this business, but I'll bring you under my wing. I'll start you from the bottom and you know we'll grow together. And true to his word, that's what's happened. And so uh, we've continued to grow the practice. And uh, that's where we are today. That's pretty good. Um, that, uh, I think my first business was, uh, that was a detailer. I was, I was detailing cars and I was, I think 16 when I started 16 or 17. So I was a little older, but, uh, I always, um, 
would like everybody would ask me to sell their stuff. So, like my grandma or grandpa or mom or dad wanted to sell something on market. Um, like, hey Jake, can you sell it? And I was like, yeah. Uh, what what kind of commission do I get? And so I'd get some commission. It was the easiest money I ever ever made. Um, and uh, so that was pretty cool. But but uh, you do some you do some pretty grueling running and swimming and biking. Tell us a little, little bit about that. Yeah. So um, my background uh, kind of had a varied fitness history. I've always been into um, fitness in one shape or another. Uh, in high school, it was tennis. Got into powerlifting. Tennis. After that. Uh, yeah. So totally different. Uh, I don't really know how I stumbled into that but did tennis for all through high school. Uh, and I, I enjoyed that, but it wasn't something long-term for me. I, uh, you know, I thought I was pretty good until I, I played a couple of guys who were actually really good. And when you get stomped on pretty heavily, you're like, okay, yeah, I see the difference. And the guys that are actually good and the guys who are out here just playing around. And I was one of the guys out there playing around. So, um, I got into powerlifting a little bit. And then when I started at my current firm, um, my boss has a, a charity, builds playgrounds for um, kids with disabilities, so burialist playgrounds. And he said, hey, it's about a month into me working. He said, hey, why don't you, uh, why don't you do an Ironman with me? And for those who don't know, uh, an Ironman's a 2.4 mile swim, 112 mile bike and then 26.2 mile run so a marathon and I laughed at him because that is something insane people do um I ah, don't right. run you're right <laughs> I, I I lift weights um I hate running and so um he said no no I think I think you should you would like it you should do it with me I mean this just this sounds horrible um, I was like, well, you know, I don't, I don't have a bike. So I, I start bringing out the excuse train. What, one thing about Sam I got to throw in there, Sam might be the easiest person to convince to do something. You just got to talk a little shit to him. Like, you won't do it. And he's the easiest person to convince to do something. Yeah, it's unfortunate. For me. <laughs> <laughs> so so I, I start making some excuses, you know, I'm like, ah, man, I, I don't have a bike. You know, the bikes are expensive. It's okay. Well, I'll buy you a bike. For everyone listening, there is a beautiful road bike right behind him. Yeah. <laughs> that was not on purpose, but it just happened to. I'm, I'm taking it. I've got a race this weekend, so I'm taking it to the bike shop to get cleaned um, here after this. Uh, and, you know, so I, I just start making more excuses. I'm like, well, I don't, I don't know how to swim. Like, I'll hire you a coach to teach you how to swim. Okay, great. I'm like, well, you know, I don't want to pay for the race. The race is pretty expensive. It's like 900 bucks. He goes, okay, I'll, I'll pay for the race. Like, yeah. I'm just running out of excuses here. And so finally, I just give in. I'm like, okay, I'll do it. So that day I go and I, I start running on a, a treadmill. and I can't run a mile. I mean, I'm out of, just completely out of air. Like, it's pitiful. And, you know, once I, once I kind of latch on to something, I just go for it. And so now I have this goal, I'm signed up and, and here we go. And so that was in uh, May, uh, maybe June of 2019. I signed up for the 2020 uh, Ironman Texas and uh, I got canceled because of COVID. So pretty frustrating setback, right? 
um, trained for that long period of time. And during this period of time, things started getting a lot busier with the firm. And so my boss says, he was going to, he was doing the race as well. And I says, Hey, uh, you're on your own. I, I don't have time to train for this. <laughs> so that was great. Um, but you know, I, I just got really locked in and, uh, I did a, a couple 50 K's, which is about 33 mile run through the mountains. Um, and then I've done some marathons, but you just become kind of part of that endurance community. And it's become a, an important part of my life. Um, from a discipline standpoint, um, and just personal development and growth. So now I'm a, a crazy person who runs, swims, and bikes long distances. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah, I did a <laughs> sprint triathlon, and that was enough for me. Yeah. Sam, I got a um, question for you. Yeah. And if you, don't, if you don't want to talk about this on a podcast or something that you don't want to go into, feel free to just beg now. Yeah. But so I've known Sam for shit. Long time. Long time. Yeah. Long time. But, um, so Sam used to own his ear landscaping irrigation company. Right. And he, it was a young age where were you like 18, 19. Yeah. I started when I was 15. Yeah. yeah. So, and he grew it. Um, and it was doing well. Sam is the best person that like Sam can talk to anyone. So, you know, we'd go out and go downtown and bring them on the weekend and Sam would be talking to a random person every single time. So, you know, as you could imagine, he built a pretty good um, clientele and business and he joined, he kind of merged to try to grow his company bigger and it kind of went south. And I know he learned a bunch of hard lessons on that. And I just wanted to see if you would, you know, obviously, you know, don't go into detail, just whatever you feel comfortable talking about, but kind of touch on yeah. those and what you no, it's, learned. It's that. important. Uh, it's super important. So a lot of things there, right? Um, so we can unpack it a little bit. So just a little background on the story. We were growing really rapidly. Um, I mean, 100% plus year over year, adding a ton of employees. Um, obviously, when that happens, you take on a lot of payroll expense. Um, we're also doing a lot of construction projects, which are pretty capital intensive. So, you know, say you've got a $200,000 job, um, your capital outlay for the first 30 days, may be $40,000 and you don't get a draw on that for another 60 days after that. So you might be 90 days out, um, without getting any kind of draw and you've got a lot of capital expense for just one project, right? So cash flow became a big um, issue. Yeah, I mean, you have to also realize that at this time I'm 19. Uh, so it's not like I've got deep pockets and I'm you know, growing a business pretty quickly. So I uh, partnered with uh, someone um, on the capital side and um, that went, went south pretty quickly um, and essentially lost the business and it was uh yeah certainly the the toughest thing i think i've ever gone through um and there's a lot of lessons in that right so when it initially happened when anything bad tends to happen you take it as this is happening to me right and you want to blame and um just shed any responsibility for it and that was the initial instinct uh, at first, it was kind of numbing because ever since I was a kid, I'd, I'd built my identity in this. I didn't grow up 
uh, in the way that most kids did. So I'd built an identity around this company or being a business owner, being successful. Um, and part of the reason why we grew so quick was as a result of my own pride, which is in you know retrospect, I wouldn't have said this at the time, but looking back now, it's because I wanted to be this successful guy. I want to be you know, the, the 20 year old millionaire, et cetera, and have this huge thing. And instead of allowing things to develop and grow naturally, I always was pushing to the max. Um, and, you know, you have to recognize in yourself, that's a flaw when you take down all safety rails, all, all guards, um, and just push things at 120%, you can have bad results. And so that was, that was part of an issue, right? And so just taking on more projects um, than I could realistically handle or the company could realistically handle or that I was prepared to do, right? You can, you can fake it till you make it to a certain point, but if you've got, you know, half a million dollar project, you don't know what you're doing, um, it can be a major issue. So I never quite got, that's just an example. I never quite got to that point, but point is I had to take on, I didn't really have an option. I didn't have an option. I had to take on outside capital because I had project commitments. Um, and that went very poorly. You know, you learn practical lessons, like I should have signed a lot more documents and set things in stone. Instead, I was far too trusting. Um, and that's 100% my fault. Uh, but, uh, but also, yeah. you know, yours, like I said, without getting too much into it, if you knew the backstory, this wasn't, Sam didn't bring in some ran, random person either. Yeah. So that's what I, that's why I wanted you to touch on it too, because I feel like this, it's a really good lesson, not only right. about business. Yeah, no, it was a family, I mean, about so it people was as well. a family member, yeah, who I brought in. Um, and so that, you know, even makes it even more painful when something like that happens. But it's a lesson to say, it doesn't matter who it is. It can be your best friend. Um it can be, you know, your grandma, like it, it doesn't matter. Ultimately, having that proper paperwork is going to protect both of you because it sets the parameters around the relationship in that capacity. What I mean by that is you have relationships on a friendship basis or familiar basis, um, but then you also have professional relationships. And in a professional relationship, you need to have proper boundaries set around that relationship with the right expectations. So the more that you can define things whenever you're entering into any kind of business arrangement with someone, the better it's going to be for both parties. So for me, it was, I, I was really poor at confronting uh, or at any type of confrontation at the time, right? It was, uh, we'll just figure it out. It's okay. Um, and, you know, it'll work out for everybody. And that was a flaw on my part that I have to recognize and say, I made a mistake in that. Um, and ultimately, it leads to a lot more confrontation down the line when you don't have those proper parameters set. So some of the biggest takeaways for me in this um, were obviously from a practical standpoint, something that everybody can do is have the proper paperwork set up. It doesn't matter who it is. Define the parameters of the relationship. Um, don't let your business ventures become your sole identity. It can be an identifier of who you are, right? You're, you're Jake, you're the, the house slipper, right? But if that's all that you are, then if something happens to that outside of your control, or it could be inside your control, but you just mess up, 
it can destroy you. And it did to me, right? Because instead of putting identity, my identity in things that had true value, um, I put it in, in this company and my title, my status within the community. And when that's, when that's removed, either you destroy it on your own or it's removed from you, it crushes you, right? And I had to really reinvent myself from there um, and look really deeply. And I mean, I'm super thankful that I have a really strong support system with family. I mean, Chad, you know, you were there through all this, um, but specifically my dad. Um, and just, I remember there's a little coffee shop in Brenham called Mobius. Um, and when kind of all this cascaded down, it was over a series of a couple of weeks. Um, and I mean, I was just at rock, rock bottom, you know, gone from having this company and, you know, things rolling and having all these employees and having this respect to not being able to pay vendors, being in massive amounts of debt, not having a job. Right. And I forewent going to college to start this business and run this business. And so now I'm, I'm a guy with no degree. I've got a ton of debt and I don't have a company anymore. So everything's been stripped away. Right. Um, and just sitting there, <laughs> my dad said, well, uh, at least it can't get worse from here. <laughs> and, so, uh -huh. you know, <laughs> uh, and, you know, I was moping in my own sorrow and, you know, his word of advice was, look, we can, we can feel sorry. And this sucks. Like, this isn't fun, but all we can do now is move forward. Like you can't change the things that have happened to you um, or that you've done to yourself. They're, they're in the past. And the more time you spend sitting there and blaming and castigating others, um, the worse it's going to be for you. So ultimately you have to find a way to move forward and it's going to suck. Like that trudge from getting knocked down, it really does not feel good, but it's just one foot in front of the other. And yes, do spend some time reflecting, like look back and say, here are the things that I did. And I know all these mistakes that I've made and here's how we're going to implement changes going forward. Yeah. And I mean, so there's all that. And, and one thing that I could see with Sam, like I said, I've known him since he was at the company to where he's at now, you know, and I saw, you know, all the steps, the highs and the lows. And for people that don't know, um, Sam and it, Sam's dad is a preacher. Um, he, he has his own church, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah he's so actually his own church. Right so um great guy. And I know he's helped Sam tremendously get through that. Um dude's full of it. He's hilarious, but great guy, always great words of wisdom. But so Sam also, though, you know, when he was younger doing his business, running his business stuff, Sam would preach some too. Sam's always been very well spoken, can like I said before, talks to anyone, um, can talk to anyone. And I feel like the lessons that Sam learned, you know, people can, Sam says he doesn't have a degree, but he definitely paid a tuition if you, if you must, <laughs> or probably more than that. Yeah. But I think Sam, as far as, you know, like you said, you don't have a degree, but the way you can speak to people and just the way your mind works. And I know that comes from, you know, obviously your, your upbringing with your, um, your dad being, um, a pastor, you having to speak in front of people at a young age, but then also running business, having to deal with customers, stuff like that. I feel like what you learned from that 
kind of groomed you into being able to do what you do now? Because I mean, at your age and what you're doing, I would assume you're the youngest man in the room by quite a few years, 90% of the time. Yeah, it's true. And uh, so I would say it's those, those hardships that mold you. And when you're going through them, um, they can do one of two things. It can mold you um, into something stronger and better, or it can crush you. And the cool thing is you get to decide which of those it's going to be. So you can just be crushed and say, you know, I'm never going to get in this business thing again. Like it's too risky. Look what's happened. I knew this was going to happen and blame everybody else. Um, or you can say, all right, cool. I learned a lot of lessons and that's super valuable for me. And I'm going to use those lessons to continue to grow. And so, you know, you can either choose to be the victim or you can choose to learn from that. And I, I think the lessons I learned were tremendously helpful. Um, just, have, just having that pressure, it makes you learn those lessons. Like when you've got families depending on you, because you got to make payroll, it's pretty, it's a lot of pressure there. Um, and so, yeah, I think overall, um, I, I wouldn't change anything. I would change some of the hardship that was caused to my family because of it um, and the internal turmoil. I, I hate that part of it. Um, but as far as the effects on me, I wouldn't change anything because it's made me who I am now. And, you know, I'm grateful for that. Yeah, that makes sense. And I mean, you've been, I've, I've known, I remember back in the day, you, um, when you had the company and this was when I was still a, you know, little shithead in the gym that just wanted to be big. And that's all I cared about hearing you talk about, you know, this dude would finish a pot of coffee before 7am. <laughs> Like it was insane, but he would always talk about his goal of um, building this business and then selling it, you know, and having, you know, being a millionaire at a young age. And then I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And now seeing like, you know, just kind of growing and seeing how where Sam's mindset was even back then and seeing what he went through. I mean, I remember telling um, Whitney, you know, Jake and Randy, you know, when we would talk about Sam, about what he's doing now, I, I, I would I've told him so many times, I was like, dude, Sam's going to kill it. Like, dude's going to do very, very well. And I feel like just all that upbringing and just seeing how your mindset, how, how you navigate it through everything. Um, it's almost like your typical entrepreneur type story. You know, you go through something, you get kicked in the nuts, you build it back up, you learn from it, you just keep rolling. It's, it is what it is. But yeah, to, that, you, to that extent too, I would, I would say it's really easy for people to... Um, look at this survivorship bias, right? Where you see, like, no one puts the the biggest failures on the cover of Barons, right? So if like you're looking at Entrepreneur Magazine, they don't put the people who failed on there necessarily. Like it's the companies who made it, they broke up, they did good. The reality is that there's more to that story. There's a guy in Brown named Pastor Randy Wells, and he always says, don't look at my glory until you hear my story, right? And so it's this idea of, man, there's a lot, like you see this finished product, you see this thing that's awesome, but there's a lot <laughs> to that story. And it's gonna take a lot of those times of getting knocked down and you might have to start from zero, but it's worth it to, to keep pushing forward. You're gonna get there. It's just, it's persistence over time. You know what I just thought about, Sam? Yeah. 
You know, what's hilarious is the fact that like, you know, your job now has to do with stocks, how he has to do with you paying attention to the news, this and that. Do you remember when you had your little office set up in Jake's dining room when like the floors were still concrete? And I do. Dude, this fool, it would be like 10 o'clock in the morning and he'd be doing his work, but on one side of the screen, he'd have like Yahoo News and shit and he'd be reading the news and something would happen. He'd turn around, you know, he'd look at us be like, dude, like so-and-so, so-and-so, like with politics. And Jake and I are just like, gives a shit. But even, even back then, this dude was always on the like in the news he knew everything but i think it's funny how now you get paid in a sense like that's that's what you do yeah, now you get paid to talk about it exactly it's, so it's kind of came full circle yeah and that sure. was a big one. Oh, you guys what you guys got thunder out there lightning yeah dude you should look at this little oh y'all can't hear or y'all can't see him because this isn't recorded terrified <laughs> dude is tripping Riker is not a fan of this weather. Yeah. I have yeah. a question for you, Sam. Yeah, it, you, you mentioned being the youngest person where you work or in general there. Did it take you a while to earn the respect of the older people that are there? Because like you said, you had your own like your own ordeal that you went through, everything you just yes. spoke about. And I'm sure they have a very more narrow perspective, not considering what you went through. And they just look at you and they're like, this young kid, I studied for all these years. I had to work my way up, do this, this, and that. Was there any of that? Yeah, I, yeah. So I think there's a couple aspects to that. It's a great question. Um, I was talking to, to somebody about this last night. Um, so I think at times there's some initial hesitation. Uh, and to give people a little background on what I do, um, we represent 33 financial advisors across the U.S. Um, and I'm more of the back office support on the portfolio construction and management side of things. Um, and so advisors will call me and say, hey, what do you think about this in the market? How do we construct this portfolio? If it's dealing with high net worth or institutional clients, how do we build out an investment policy statement? All these, all these kind of things. So, you know, they might look at that initially and say, all right, I've been in this business for 30 years. Like this what is he going to know what he's going to help me with? Um, and I think there is an aspect of having to earn that respect. So I put in a lot of hours. <laughs> I put in a lot of time. And there's some respect gained just from the sheer fact of I get things done. So if they need, you know, investment recommendations or research done on something, um, I get it done quick and I do it in a timely. Thorough. But older so, there, oh, he's back. like just welcome you in with open arms and say like, "Yo, like this kid's obviously gonna be a genius." They would be kind of silly, like yeah, no, a hundred percent. You know, you you have to earn that respect. It doesn't just come, nor should it. They should. At the end of the day, advisors are fiduciaries, meaning they have to put their clients above all else. So if they were to just come and say, "Yeah, dude, whatever you say, great," um, that would be pretty idiotic on their part. But I do have a big um, boost from or big backing because my CEO um, introduces me and has the advisors come to me. So if they send him a message early on in the process, um, then he'll send it back to me and say, all right, deal with Sam on this, right? And so having his support is massive. It's not that I'm just out there being great at doing something is that he supports and says hey 
you know, this is the guy for the job. And so whenever you have someone with authority saying you can rely on this guy, then that goes a long way as well. Uh, so that's super helpful. But then you still have to execute. So even if someone, even if authority figure says, hey, this is the guy for the job, if you don't do the job well, then ultimately they're, you know, the people you're working with aren't going to respect you and aren't going to give you any kind of trust. So, yeah, I mean, it sounds like he's just throwing you a bone of credibility. So when you walk in, you kind of get off on a good foot. And I think we just cut out, but for everyone listening, Sam was still talking about working there younger and having to prove himself through his work. Uh, and then we sort of transitioned to the fact that like his CEO was able to introduce him to everybody. One thing I did want to mention was I feel like a lot of people our age, tell me what you guys think, feel as if uh, they're, I think it's more the ego gets in the way. I don't know how to phrase it. When an older person, especially in a similar field to them or in the same workplace, questions them, a lot of kids our age, I feel like are like push them off as like, I mean, this is, it's so corny, but kids like, oh, boomer or like, old old head or like they don't know what they're talking about they haven't done this in forever but in reality to me that's just your ego's getting in the way these people are being completely logical something different is coming into their workplace someone who's young in an area dominated by people that are 30 35 plus i would guess and also heavy like population of those people are probably 50s or more i would say i mean tell me if i'm wrong yeah these people have been doing it for decades and for them to see something completely new, it would be weird if some sort of alert didn't go off in their head to be like, okay, tread with caution. Now, like Sam said, he was able to prove himself through his work. I think just talking to younger people our age, don't get upset if somebody's questioning your abilities because you have to also understand that you are like an alien to them in that environment. And it's, I'm sure there's certain cases, I'm not talking about Sam here, but like, I'm sure there's certain cases where you have firms that hire like a spree of young people to try and help with newer digital stuff. And there's a lot of tension between the like different demographics. I think it's just a good reminder that instead of getting angry, you should probably respect some of these people who are seniors in your company that you're working at and use it as motivation to rather say, okay, I want to prove to these people that I am legit, gain their credibility. Cause I would, I'm guessing I'm too young to even have the experience to know this, but like, once you get over that hump, I assume there's a lot of mutual respect there. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I would, oh, go ahead. No, you go ahead, Sam. I'll go after you. Um, I would say that one of the most important things when you're young coming into the workplace, I got humbled pretty early. Um, so I didn't really have the experience of going to college and then coming out thinking, you know, I'm hot shit because I just got a degree, which is it's pretty funny because you still don't know hardly anything about the actual workplace. Um, I know because I've run a lot of interns. Um, but one of the things that I found most valuable is make the person above you look good. If you want to advance, make them look good. It's not about you. Like, you're shit. You're on the bottom to start out. So don't make it about you. Make it about the person above you. And then you're going to be rewarded from that because they're going to appreciate you doing that. If you try and take all the glory for everything that you do, one, you're so far away from the top right now, it doesn't matter. So, you know, don't, don't even try. It's not like the CEO probably is going to come and congratulate you if you're working for a big firm, make the person above you look good. And they're going to be motivated because they have the most say on your station in the company. 
the person directly above you does. So if you make them look good, then they're going to be a lot more prone to help you out. So find ways, if you really want to learn and grow, find ways to help people um, that know more than you do and come at it with humility. Because the reality is, like, I still don't know hardly anything. I've learned a lot, but I don't know hardly anything. Like, I feel like I'm barely scratching the surface. And I listen and read for, I mean, as soon as I wake up in the morning to literally the time going to bed. And I learn as much as I can, but I still don't know hardly anything. So have that humility to say, I don't know much and I need to learn more. But Chad, go ahead. No, just to touch on kind of what Zach was saying, I mean, it's a kind of, it's a totally different field than what Sam's talking about, but like kind of with plumbing, um, what I've learned, Zach was talking about, you know, the younger generation and older, um, perfect example with plumbing is coming in, you know, all the older people, all they know is to make a dollar, you fix something, you turn a wrench, right? Well, the newer generation is bringing in the sales aspect into plumbing. So it was hard for a lot of these older cats, like just me, for instance, you know, I was young, clean cut, you know, 21, 22, 23 year old coming in there selling, you know, putting up a million dollars a year. And that's like unheard of to those old, older folks. And it, I get into the position to where, like towards the end of my career, you know, I didn't really have to touch a tool. I went in there, I sold a job and they sent the older folks in there to do it. And it's kind of like, like you were saying, Zach, like for me, they almost had like an envy, some, not all of them, but some of them had like a, you can tell they didn't like me, like weren't a fan. And to them, you know, they look at it like, oh, this young, he's You're arrogant. A You're a threat. That's why. Yeah. Come like into I'm, a company and you are hot shit. And then it, it's, even if they don't see it as like a direct threat, there's definitely some sort of feeling of like a threat as like, oh shit, like this kid just walks in here is better than me. Like, yeah, well, and it's, it's it, not even that too. It's like, I've had some of, I remember some of them were like, you know, cause I was realistically, you know, I probably, I made more than them cause I was on commission. I did sales and they come in here and say, oh, Chad doesn't have to touch a tool and he makes yada yada. It's like, well, I possess a different skill set than you. Like you can't, you don't communicate with customers well. Like you can't talk. Like you said it before, you just want to do the work. And I feel like it's hard for, you know, it's kind of just, a, it's almost like a change. And, you know, with generations is the older, you know, the older people see the, the new stuff coming in, like the, like with the sales and they don't know how to adjust to it. And then in return, you know, so they, they're kind of, they didn't like me or they don't like the new person. So then the new person that's, you know, making more, doing more, they think they're hot shit and then they get an ego to where it's just like back to back button heads. And I was one of those people, but um, I kind of probably go off topic a little bit, but like what Zach was saying is like between old people coming in and how stuff's kind oh, of changing. I think it's, it goes back to the ego is the enemy, right? Yep. Where it's a lot better to be collaborative than to try and come in and claim your turf. Exactly. Or, or to butt heads with people. You may not like somebody, but at the end of the day, it's a lot better to work with them and collaborate with them than try and prove that you're the toughest guy around. It just yeah. it doesn't do anything for you to prove. I feel like it's a lot of just like basic, basic understanding of how to communicate and like self-awareness. Just take like, like you're saying, take your ego out of it. Okay, I am a replaceable intern with 
And maybe you say you work at Golden or something, and there's literally tens of thousands of people who could come and take your spot right now. That alone should be enough to make you drop your ego. But going back to what I was saying, it's like you walk in there, you have to understand it's a very competitive environment, especially in a lot of the financial industry where people understand that it's a performance-based industry as well, where if you aren't performing, somebody else is going to come in and try and do better. So I think it's just the simple fact of understanding like, okay, I'm in a competitive environment. I walk in the door, I'm new. And then there's some situations where I may be getting paid more, like Chad was saying. Now people are going to seem annoyed, threatened, something like that. Then you have two options. Like you said, do I go in there and kind of have a dick measuring contest, plant my flag in the ground, and it's like, I'm here, no, don't ever question me. Or do I go in there and say, hey, I understand that you guys see me as a younger person and all these different things, but let me work with you and let me prove to you, like Sam was saying, through my work. And you don't explicitly say this, but like Sam was saying, again, having the humility to just stay quiet until you have a platform to stand on in that workplace because of the work you've done. And it's, yeah. it just seems like a very simple idea. But well, like you said, yeah. humility and, and almost it goes back to literally be a bigger person because I went through that, you know, I came in there in my position, people didn't like me. I was young, you know, it took some learning, but you know, I was one of the ones when I first started, I was just like, like, I'm doing a million in sales. Who the hell are you? Like, shut the hell up. Like I had the big ego at first and, you know, you kind of bring it down a little bit to where it's just like, dude, whatever. Like, you know, people aren't going to like you. Just be cool. Whatever. It doesn't make you a bad person either. Like, I feel like a lot of people don't realize that like an ego can sneak up on you. It doesn't necessarily have to be something that you consciously decide like, hey, I'm going to be a tool now, flaunt <laughs> all my stuff around. It's more like, oh, maybe you came from a rougher situation or just had like, you're coming out of like a downtrend in your life where it's, I just call the life, part of your life a downtrend, but like some sort of pit that you're in. And now it's like, wow, things are changing. I drive a nicer car. I have money chilling in the bank. I'm not stressed week to week anymore about how I'm going to pay for stuff. Oh, I can order things. I can buy things for other people now. That makes me feel good. Does it really make you feel good because you bought things, something to help someone? Or do you just like the fact that you bought something for someone and now you have a leash that's growing one chain link at a time because the more you do for them, the more they owe to you. Um, which also goes back to something of saying don't do stuff for other people hoping you get something in return yeah but yeah no well, i and I, I think ego is a lot of times driven by insecurity i know it was for me all the time um and so you're only showcasing if you're you know this big dog and and trying to prove something you're just proving that you're insecure about that thing um and if you have to be the, the biggest thing around and then, you know, to your point on physical possessions too, like if you have to, if you have to buy something to prove yourself or you're expecting something in return for doing something for someone else, that is, that's all manipulative and insecure behavior. And it takes time to recognize that. I recognize it myself I was reflecting the other day, thinking about how I allocate my time and saying, you know, I claim to, to love people, to care about people, to try and be there for people when they're going through stuff. But upon reflection, I realized that sometimes when I'm doing that, a lot of times subconsciously, it's me trying to validate myself. Mm -hmm. Like I, I want other people to need me, to want me, 
And so, you know, I, I hide that under the guise of I'm helping people, but a lot of times you have to realize, or I realize that it's me validating my self-worth. And so, I mean, this all comes down to, to just uh, self-reflection, right? Like check yourself. Yeah. I think there's no like a coincidence that you're in the work field that like the workspace you're in with portfolio construction management and that you clearly have a high degree of self-awareness. Cause I think when you're analyzing a lot of stuff that you do, there's a lot of information coming in from a lot of different directions that could easily skew your perspective. And it takes a great level of self-awareness and just awareness in general when looking at markets to be able to dismiss things as this isn't relevant or say, oh, this is relevant. Yeah, I would, it takes emotional control, right? Yeah. <laughs> Because, because you can, uh, you can be pummeled pretty quickly. So oh, as we uh, as we turn a little bit, uh, I don't know if you guys have time. We can talk about the markets for for a little bit. I know we've we've been kind of all, all over the place. One thing I did want to throw in there though before we finish was I will say there is a line you have to straddle of having an ego and putting it to the side because if it wasn't for your ego, you would also not be where you are. One hundred percent. No oh, Yeah. Yeah, you need that drive, hundred percent. Yeah, um, you just you have to check your ego. Yeah, exactly. I would I would be willing to bet that you have met people that you work with or employers or something who maybe saw that ego in you and liked it. And if they ever were to like catch you like out of bounds, kind of, they'd be like, "Hey, like, like check yourself." But they yeah, still you. I agree completely. Right. I think it's what drives the ego. Yeah, that's what that's what's important. We're all gonna have an ego. It's not that you're gonna have a zero ego. That's and great job for bringing that up. I think that is really important. Um, you have to have a driving force, right? And I, all of us here, obviously have a lot of drive, or else we wouldn't be sitting here talking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so we all have that that ego, but you have to make sure it doesn't corrode you, exactly, right? yeah. or or drive you over the cliff. Right. So yeah, straddle it is a, is a good way. You got to have that. Like Whitney tells me sometimes she's like, yeah, you're hundred percent a cocky asshole, but it's, it's, it's that's, not like, that's, it's a, that's pretty rich coming from her. <laughs> <laughs> she's an asshole, but she always calls me. She's like, you're a cocky asshole. It's like, I'm, but she, she, she's joking, but I, I can be an asshole hundred percent, but I'm just confident in what we do. You know, like, yeah, she knows where your heart is. She knows yeah, like she she's talking <laughs> shit and she knows like we'll get into it and I'll I can be a cocky asshole. But I'm I'm genuinely just confident in what I do and what we do. And I I genuinely believe that we're we're all gonna kill it. But like Sam and like you said, Zach, it's you have to have that. Like name any successful entrepreneur, salesman, any of that. People, there are people in the world that look at them and just be like, dude's a douchebag. He's, he's an asshole. It's like, oh, yeah. there's confident. They, they know they're good at what they do. You almost like have to go through at least some brief, even slightly douche phase to like have the awareness to be able to like check yourself. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Cause like, I don't know about you guys. Like personally, I genuinely think anything I touch, like I could do well in. It's just a matter of like putting my mind to it. But it's not like I'm walking up to me like, I can fucking do that better than you. I can do that better than you. It's like, because no, I don't spend my time doing that. Well, and if you don't, to the point of this, if you don't take pride, if you don't have any pride whatsoever, then you're not going to do things to the best of your ability, mm -hmm. right? 
because that's the whole point of saying I take pride in what I do. It's not that I'm proud about this. Like I think I'm the best ever. It's that this is a representation of me, my output, and I want it to be as good as possible. Yep. One thing I will say about like material stuff, though, like a car, or, like really clean, nice house. To me, owning stuff like that is a symbol of like as long as you buy things that you can afford and stuff. It's a symbol of almost like even though like you had the worst day ever say you can come sit in your beautiful house beautiful car whatever and it's like oh wait i don't actually have anything to truly worry about like my stresses are all the way down here compared to what a lot of people are feeling so it's almost yeah. like uh you can sit and look around and be like okay like i'm good i think yeah. a, a good thing on that is i saw it the other day um and it really hits home it's like you wouldn't look at somebody else's problems and switch with them ever yeah like mo most of the time whoever it is you would not switch with them and, and take on their problems you wouldn't i mean it, it, and it's just kind of um it just goes to show Even that if one of your problems was we're about to lose 30k on this flip or something because it went to the shitter wouldn't you you would much rather have that problem than like I don't fucking know. Like, I don't have a car. I can't afford to drive anywhere. I'm working. My job sucks. I have back pain from this stuff like that. Like, correct. Well, and and I I'm not scared to lose thirty thousand dollars on a flip because I know um, that I can go back tomorrow and do it again and make sixty. You yeah, know, exactly. like if I went broke right now, I uh, I know how to make it back. So it's not you know like I don't I definitely don't want to be broke. Right, that's what drives me. But I know I can get it back regardless of what happens. Yeah. I don't know. I could talk about like the psych side of things so much. I love my psych classes and shit. Yeah, me too. One thing that really helped me create a bunch of self-awareness was uh, uh, Jordan Peterson's books. Uh, 12 Rules for Life and Beyond Order are yeah. just awesome books. Or just watch them on YouTube. I watch yeah, them listening to them. I do. Or watch, yeah. yeah, listen to them on YouTube um, I, all the time. Yeah. You know, I've listened to some of his stuff. It's pretty good. He's the man. Yep, yep. All right, boys, we'll let you get to your your next appointment. Yeah, we got we gotta run all over all over Brenham and, and we gotta roll to Huntsville actually, Lake Livingston today. Um, what? Yeah, we gotta roll around there. Um, Bro, when? Today. What time? Three. Or four, I don't know. Either way. It's that big house I sent you. Either way, whatever, whatever. You drive <laughs> shit. <laughs> Either way, um, we're busy. That's good. Trying to get some stuff done. Uh, I appreciate I appreciate you guys coming on here. Yeah, man. Thank you guys for listening to the Capital Gains podcast. If you got any value from this, please share it uh, to a friend, a neighbor, anybody who you think would benefit from listening to this. And if you would, please give us a review on Apple Podcast. We would really appreciate it. Let's get ready to make some capital gains. Fuck what they tump out. I've been getting my cake and running wild since a little child. Yeah. Getting it every day. I'm working sun up till the sun down. Yeah. I'm getting it every day. These niggas hating, trying to see how I do this shit. Bitch, I'm not new.